Hey guys, welcome to the Emetophobia podcast. Today on the podcast, I had Ginny DeLorenzo on. Um, really, really awesome conversation we had. Very value-packed. Lots of information in this one. We went over going to the doctor and the fears regarding that and how to get over that. We talked about her therapist. We talked about her life. We went into high detail on a lot of things revolving around emetophobia. This was a super good episode. I really hope you guys enjoy it. If you did, make sure to please go rate and review this podcast on any platform. Uh, That would be very helpful to me and it would get us up in the rankings to help more people with emetophobia to see the podcast. All right, let's get in. We are recording now, so sweet, awesome. Hi there, how are you? Hi, I'm great. How are you? Good, good. Just got back. It was a busy day today. Yeah. Saturdays. I got like two small jobs to do on Saturdays, and then I mm-hmm. like a bunch of errands to run. So not okay. not too big of a deal, but just got nice. home. So very cool. Awesome. So, um, what should we call you? Uh, my name's Ginny. Ginny. Like, okay, nice to meet you, Ginny. I'm Casey. Ginny, like nice Harry Potter. That's yeah, yeah, yeah. I always tell people. Okay, <laughs> okay. Casey, nice um, to meet you. Do you want to just tell a little background about yourself real quick for everybody here? Um, sure. Like, like my background with emetophobia or just like in general, or um, like <laughs> just in general life background, where are you from? Oh my goodness. Know? Okay. So, um, I'm from Illinois, um, also Midwest. So, awesome. <laughs> um, I am 25 years old. Um, I work, um, my job is actually, I work as a box office supervisor for the oh, arena cool. that we have in town here. Like the hockey arena so like nice. super cool and like we have live events again which is exciting so um so that's my job and um it's very like high energy fast-paced job and i love it so um yeah. super cool yeah that's what's up that's mm-hmm. what's up yeah um so yeah let's talk about your emetophobia too let's get on that story real quick we'll see where, sure. where you, what um, happened there yeah my story like definitely dates back to childhood um as long as i can remember i've had emetophobia um and I've been working like in therapy about it. And I think like I can pinpoint it to where it began. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I was four. Um, I don't know exactly how old I was. It's pretty little. It's like one of my earliest memories. Sure. Um, I was like super sick with uh, influenza, like to the point where I had to be hospitalized for a couple of days. Like I was severely dehydrated um, and I was pretty little. And like, as a little kid, that that's traumatic. Like, <laughs> you know, I'm, yeah. And like not understanding what's happening to you. Um, so I just remember like just being uncontrolled, like, like it's graphic, but like, you know, like coming out of both ends, like it was bad yeah, yeah, <laughs> and like sure. super humiliating as like a little kid. Like for me, it was like super embarrassed and um, it was just awful. And like, and that also like goes hand in hand. Cause I have like a very bad fear of like doctors and hospitals and I think mm-hmm. that it all tracks back to that time and like I'm only just realizing it now as an adult that yeah. that was like the pinpoint for me um so ever since then like growing up um I definitely had emetophobia as a kid I didn't know what it was um yeah. but like it was very very bad and I couldn't like verbalize it so um it would just come out and like what I now realize are panic attacks. Like I didn't know that as a kid and um, where I would just like be crying uncontrollably and my parents would 
try to figure out what's wrong. And I like, couldn't put it into words that like, like my stomach was upset and like, so I would just cry. Like I couldn't like, so they'd be like, Oh, here's some Tums and try to like console me. It just, it never worked. And like, I kind of feel bad because they didn't know how to help me. And, yeah. um, cause I just didn't know, I didn't understand it at the time. I didn't like vocalize it. So, um, I haven't been sick. Like I haven't thrown up since I was 10 years old. Wow. Um, and so after then, like going into like middle school, high school, it kind of went away. Like I didn't think about it as much anymore because mm-hmm. I hadn't been sick in so long. Yeah. Um, and so like, it was always there. Like if I, like someone at school got sick or like in my house got sick, I would freak out a little bit, but not to the point where I was like having like panic attacks, you know? Um, and then as an adult, it came back like full force when I moved out of the house. Yeah. It just like hit me out of nowhere. Um, to where like I was living on my own without my parents. And then all of a sudden I started having these like thoughts like, oh my gosh, what if I get sick? What if I throw up, you know, in front of my roommates? What if, you know, I'm at work and it happens? And then like it just spiraled from there. Like 2019 was probably my worst emetophobia year that I can remember. That was yeah. it, it got really bad that year. Um it's gotten a little better. I have finally because I that was also the year I started doing more research on it and I found out what it was and I like googled it and I was like oh wait this is like a thing I just thought I was crazy this whole time yeah yeah <laughs> and um so I was finally able to like say something like that was the first <laughs> time I like told people about it it took me yeah. it took me a while to like tell people and I was like able to finally tell my therapist about it and so we were able to kind of start working through it and it still comes and goes in waves. Like the pandemic hasn't helped it at all, but um, right, right. yeah, I'm still working through it every day. Um, but I am like working on it in therapy now, finally. So uh, that's helped a lot. Yeah. yeah. What were some of the, like the hardest things as a kid you remember dealing with, with this man? Um, as a kid, like I, I really struggled during like the winter months and like golden flu season. And I still mm-hmm. do like, those are the worst times. Like, I don't know if anyone else feels that. I think it's a common thing. Oh, I feel it too. Yeah, um, for sure. <laughs> like it's, it's rough. Like January, February, are my, like darkest months. So, um, like literally and figuratively, but, um, so it was always like December to like February, March was the hardest time of year for me as a little kid. Like I remember like doing crazy things like, um, I always slept with like a bunch of stuffed animals on my bed, but in the winter, I wouldn't sleep with any stuffed animals on my bed. Cause in my brain, I was like, what if I get sick on the stuffed animals? <laughs> and oh. so like, I would do stuff like that. And now looking back, I'm like, oh man, like it was, it was crazy. Like what kid thinks like that, you know? Right, right. Yeah. And like, it always happened at night. Like when I was a kid, like always would happen at night. If I got, if I threw up, like it usually happened like once or twice a year, always in the winter. It was always like, stomach flu or something and um it was just always at night it never hit me like at school or anything it was just so going to bed was really hard like I'd be scared to go to bed a lot and I didn't understand like how to tell it to my parents like I never said I'm scared to go to bed because I'm scared I'm gonna throw up like I I was never able to like vocalize that so I would just have trouble sleeping and like there were some nights where my mom would like have to sleep in the bed with me until I like lay in the bed with me until I fall asleep because I was 
just crying so bad and I couldn't sleep and I was scared and I would always say like oh my throat hurts my throat hurts yeah and yeah. now I know that was anxiety that was mm-hmm. having like a panic attack where you get that like feeling that like frog you can't in the throat, breathe. Yeah. yeah the frog yeah. in the throat exactly that's mm-hmm. what it was I didn't understand it then um and like my parents just like didn't understand it they didn't know how to help me and um so that was rough like as a kid it was it was some hard hard nights do, do your uh, do your parents understand it a little bit more now or is it um still about the same no they do I I finally like was able to tell my mom like what it was and she's like super supportive of me now and she she's like my go-to person if I'm panicking now like I'll like call her up and be like like I can't breathe and she like talk me down walk me through it and like coach me and be like no you're okay drink some water go eat something you're fine like um so that's wonderful that I have that support system yeah what about um friends and stuff when you when you have to explain to friends and family like what your metaphobia is and like how it affects you, what do you usually tell them when you first try to explain this? Um, it's really hard to explain it to people. I've only, um, well, I've like, I did a couple of years ago, um, I wrote like my story like on a blog and I shared it on social media. I don't really know how many people read it. I don't think a ton of people read it, but that was the first time I was super, super open about it. Yeah. Um, so I think people know, but I think most people have forgotten because I, I hide it really well. Like I mm-hmm. like, yeah, we're pretty good at it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. so I don't talk about it a lot. I don't talk about it at all. Really. Um, only a very small handful of close friends know about it. And it was very hard for me to tell them. Um, I did tell them about it in 2019. That was like the worst year. Cause that was like the first year I was on my own, like moved out yeah. of the house. So, um, I was able to tell my best friend and it was hard. And I still think I mean, she understands it, like the anxiety part of it. Um, so she's like very supportive of me for that. But I don't think she quite fully grasps just like. Gives you the whole, everybody, nobody wants to be sick. Exactly. Yeah. Like yeah. the difference between anxiety and like, emet- like anxiety from emetophobia. Like, I don't think she, like she knows it's like an anxious thing. And like, I get like panic attacks, but I just, I feel like unless you have it, you just don't quite get it. You know yeah, what yeah. I mean? Yeah. No, I get it. Yeah. It's tough to explain too. And it, I've learned over the years that all of being a man and, the, and, and having a lot of like, you know, manly friends who want to go out and do all this like manly shit all mm-hmm. the time. It's very hard for me to explain like, no, I have like a mental problem. Like, I don't yeah. think like all of you, yeah, you broke your leg and you have big scars and you mm-hmm. do all the shit, but like, I have mental things wrong with me that I can't really, you can't see pain like that. And so it's very hard for me to express myself sometimes to my friends, but mm-hmm. um, I do have a couple of friends now that I'm really close with who like, when we talk, they understand what I'm talking about. Yeah. And I have the podcast now. So if anybody really ever wants to know, I'm just like, dude, just go listen to that. Like people mm-hmm. will explain to you, like, I'm not crazy. Like none of us are all crazy. We just had this weird, like mental thing that we've got going on that we need to figure out. Mm-hmm. Um, as far as coping skills go and uh, over the years, like you've probably found ways to, to combat this a little bit. What, what would you give other metaphobia people with advice? Uh, what would you give it for advice to them uh, in ways of like coping with emetophobia? Yeah. I would say um, like, don't, don't isolate. Cause that's what I do. Yeah, <laughs> you know, same. like I, if I am feeling panic, especially like when I lived with roommates, I don't live with roommates anymore, but when I did um, I would isolate, I would just go into my room and I would hide there and mm-hmm. like, I wouldn't want to come out. Um, and like, they were also like my best friends too. So like, they were like my circle and I just wouldn't tell them I was struggling with this. And, um, like, especially before I like opened up about emetophobia, I kept it secret for a long time. Cause I was like, I don't want people to think I'm crazy. You know, like they, 
no one's going to understand this. Um, mm -hmm. So when I finally told like my parents and told my friends that this is a struggle of mine, I think that helped tremendously. And it wasn't something that I was just like carrying around as a secret anymore. Yeah. Um, so at least like, so like when I'm struggling, I can like tell them, even if they don't fully understand it, at least they know why I'm struggling. Sure. Um, I think that has helped a lot. And like, yeah, I think the awareness is key too. It's like for definitely. yourself and for everybody mm -hmm. around you. So then it's like, at least they're aware of what's going on with me. I'm aware of what's going on with me. Now I don't look like such a crazy person just like hiding in my room. Like they understand what's going on. And like, if they want to come talk, it's not some like weird, like, what are you doing? Like, yeah. So at least it's a little bit more comfortable between the parties. Yeah, yeah for sure. For no, sure. And like also like therapy. Um, yeah. Cause I was in therapy um, before just like for other things. And it took me a long time to tell my therapist about it, which mm -hmm. is like funny because like out of all the people, that's why I should be telling about it. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. like, it's one of those things where I was like, I was embarrassed, even though this is like my therapist, she knows like everything good, bad, and ugly. Mm -hmm. I was still like afraid to share that part of my life with her. Cause I didn't think she would understand it. Um, and so I finally did like, after seeing her for like over a year, I finally like told her about this thing. And, um, so I'm really glad that I opened up to her about that, even if she didn't fully. So therapy thing's a little complicated. So like my, my therapist I had back in 2019, um, I've been seeing her for a while and I loved her. She was great. She actually got cancer and oh, no. she got it. Like she found out she had it maybe like, w like weeks after I told her about my metaphobia. It's like oh, we wow. had just started to work through it and then she had to like quit practicing. And yeah. that's, sucked like that was really hard on me because I was like I don't want to start over with someone new because mm -hmm. I'd known her for so long and so I stopped going to therapy for a long time it went like a whole year without seeing someone um and then like the pandemic happened and stuff and I was like I just can't take this anymore I have to like find someone new and so that was like a huge step for me to like reach out and find a new therapist that was really hard um but I did find one and she's great. And I told her about my metaphobia right away this time instead of like waiting. Cause yeah. I was like, right away, I was like, this is something I wanna work on. And so she doesn't completely, you know, she's not specialized in it or anything, but um, we have some like theories that we're working on and, and um, just really kind of digging into like my past and that sort of thing. So that's helped a lot. Um, is there anything specific that she's doing that, uh is helping you with the metaphobia that's that something that you couldn't come up with yourself or is is it mostly um, stuff you already knew some stuff I already knew and a lot of just like visualization a lot of like working to like love the past stuff because like a lot of it stemmed from like childhood you know and so like a lot of just like picturing that like scared little girl in her bed and like she doesn't know how to like vocalize how she's feeling and she's feeling so alone and that sort of thing and just like like loving her yeah um and like that's like it's really tough like when you have to like sit down and like picture that sort of stuff but oh, yeah, um, big time. it's been um it's been really good and, and helpful but it's been like super hard to work through that stuff too as well but, yeah something i like yeah. to explain sometimes too that i learned um i don't know if it was a metaphobia related but it was something i learned a long time ago to associate ideas in your head with positive things so mm -hmm. for instance when I, I remember the last time I got sick was on Valentine's Day I was a little kid mm -hmm. and um, I just remember like being so sick for the whole rest of the night I ate way too much candy I was just not feeling good laying mm -hmm. on the couch 
all of a sudden I got sick in the trash mm-hmm. can. Everything was fine after that. I got up, went right back in there with my mom. We all hung out, watched some TV and stuff. And then I ended mm-hmm. up going to bed. So now instead of associating that as a negative thing and saying like, oh, I remember getting really sick and eating way too much chocolate. That was such a terrible feeling. I can, I can remember that part and that's okay to, to, to be in my mind. But I also think more about what happened afterwards, how I felt okay, how I lived through it, how everything was fine. So it's that association of taking the negative part, realizing that it's the negative part, and then really honing in on the positive part and making that the, the thought instead of the negative side of those mm-hmm. things. And that's, it's been a long, like 10 years of doing that to get my mind back into track now where a lot of those negative thoughts, like I've had way too many encounters with people getting sick in front of me for some odd reason. It's like, once you get a metaphobia, it's like you draw those people to you for some odd reason. So <laughs> yeah, I've had right. a lot of, a lot of experiences. And so I try to take those experiences and say, Hey, I lived through it. I'm mm-hmm. fine. Like it was their problem, not mine. It's mm-hmm. really the reassurance is a huge part of it all. So yeah, no, it's a big thing for sure. Yeah. So. And like, um, for me, I, I don't want to say I'm okay with like people around me getting sick. Cause that still like can trigger me sometimes, but it's more so like, the thought of like me getting, so like if someone like like drank too much and like puked yeah. that wouldn't bother me because that's like they did that to themselves it's different sure. than if they were actually like sick and had a virus that I could possibly catch it that's yeah. when I like freak out yeah I think a lot of us are like that too yeah for sure. yeah um and like obviously I don't like it when I see it in like movies and stuff but I can handle it like it it's yeah. not like one of those things where like it'll send me into a panic if I see it um it's definitely and especially like if it's on like a show or something I can I I can tell myself it's fake you know they're acting it's not real sure um and I can separate it and that my whole thing is why do they even need to put that in a fucking movie I know I just don't get like like, what does that have to do with the storyline at all like Like, like majority of the time it's there for like comedy purposes so like it's yeah. not funny <laughs> yeah. there's like opening scenes sometimes where somebody mm-hmm. just gets sick right there and you're yeah. like what the hell was that why did yeah. they need to put that in there yeah that it's so, so unnecessary yeah <laughs> it just doesn't make any sense <laughs> no it's just a weird situation I know. um but yeah i was gonna i forgot the question i was just about to mm-hmm. ask you um oh uh what are some things you've missed out on over the years because of your metaphobia mm. um I don't think about that. It doesn't really keep me from doing much. I've been pretty good with that. Like I say, I like, I, I suffer very silently. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so yeah. Like I will just, I will still like go to work. I'll, I'll go out and I'll instantly like wish I wasn't there, but like I, I, I make myself do it. And um, so definitely like, it's definitely kept me from like being in the moment a lot yeah. of times. Like um, if I'm out with friends or if I'm like traveling or, whatever like sometimes it just hits me out of nowhere I'm at a restaurant it just like all of a sudden mm-hmm. the pop the thought pops into my head and I'm just like like god dang it what <laughs> you know like why now and and then like it's like I think of the rest of the night and mm-hmm. it like it ruins my evening and like I'll still be there like and engaging but like in my head like nobody under nobody knows that I'm secretly like dying on the inside and yeah yeah so like it's definitely like like kept me from being in the moment. Like I've always said uh, this about metaphor. Like I wish I could just go one day without thinking about it. Mm-hmm. But it's like I literally think about it every day. Like yeah. every day, I'm like, what if today's the day? Because it's another thing too. Because it's been so long for me that I'm just like, it's any day now. It's been too long. Like there's like how people go this long without throwing up. Like it's gonna happen any day. And so. <laughs> 
the longer it goes, the worse it is. But at the same time, I'm like, but I don't want it to happen. So I don't, I don't, yeah. Sometimes I'm like, man, if I could just get it over with, then I'm like, no, but I don't want it to happen. So, like, yeah. And it's just a never ending, like, just thought mess in my brain that, you know, it's, I get like so caught up in all these like thoughts and I, um, like, just feel like trapped in them almost, you know, like it's, it's like a mind game and, it sucks yeah the what ifs are the biggest problem and I think Mm -hmm. what's really helped me over the years to become more at ease with it is the acceptance to just say like you know it could happen and it probably will happen but I'm not gonna let that ruin every day of my life from now on because that might happen one day and so it's Mm -hmm. like I think the acceptance and reassurance every day of saying like everything's gonna be fine even if Mm -hmm. it does happen and at the end of the day like I'm so careful about shit like even Mm -hmm. if I did get some sort of uh, stomach virus or something Mm -hmm. like the worst that's going to happen is I got a couple days of being sick and I'm back in my normal life again. It's not going to take me out. It's not going to kill me. It's not the end of the world. Mm -hmm. And that what if now is not even part of my vocabulary anymore. That's what's really Mm -hmm. cool about this. And like the other day um, with all the emetophobia podcasts and talking about it so much every once in a while now, I have been getting that little frog in my throat to be like, what the hell? I haven't felt this in like months. You know, Mm -hmm. I haven't even thought about this. Um, and the other night I was driving home, felt a little nauseous because I ate a bunch of like almonds and like nuts and stuff, mm-hmm. which for some reason, when I eat a ton of those, they just yeah. make me nauseous. Mm-hmm. And um, I was driving home and I felt that feeling come up, that anxious feeling. Mm-hmm. And it was weird because like my mind almost laughed at it. It was like, what the fuck? Like I haven't <laughs> felt this in so long. Like, this yeah. is so weird that this would even happen. And it almost just like went away right away. Like it was mm-hmm. like it came and just went. I was like, mm-hmm. that was like so, so much easier to accept because I've already accepted the fact that I'm going to get sick now. And I've, I've come to mm-hmm. terms with it. And like, some people are like afraid of death and stuff, you know, mm-hmm. it's like, it's just part of life. You have yeah. to just become acceptance of acceptance of it and, and just move on. And that's, what's the hardest part of all this. It takes a lot of time and effort. So. Yeah, for sure. I, I want to get there someday. I'm working towards it, but. Have you ever um, done any, any type of exposure therapy at all? I haven't. Um, we talked about it a little bit in therapy. It's something that like we might try to do um like I said it um like watching movies and stuff doesn't bother me as much as it does in like real life so I don't really know how exposure therapy would work like it's something I'd be like willing to try but also at the same time like yeah do I want to like put myself through that but if I've heard it helps so like it would be something I'm willing to try I don't know how well my therapist like knows exposure therapy I don't think she's ever tried it before so um um we've thrown the idea out before so it's something that I would be open to for sure um I like hearing other people's stories that have gone through exposure therapy and like how it's helped them yeah the podcast Mm -hmm. right before this one was with uh Dara Lovitz yeah I just listened to that one earlier today (laughs) yeah that's a good one I I I bought her book I'm I'm really Mm -hmm. looking forward to reading her book and understanding a little more about exposure therapy and then we are having Mm -hmm. her doctor on this Friday as well he's gonna be on with her so um if you had any questions or anybody Mm -hmm. you know has any questions about it let me know I'll I'll definitely ask him because he's he's gonna be on the podcast to answer Mm -hmm. as many questions as I can possibly throw at him within the hour so that's very cool be kind of kind of fun to do um so what is your like uh a metaphobia plan for the next let's say 10 years what's Mm -hmm. your what's your plan to 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 get this figured out I mean I I want to get to a place where um because I I obviously like I want to like be a mom someday I I want to like get married and have, have a family yeah. but that is also like a big fear of mine because like like being pregnant like morning sickness and that sort of thing but also like having like kids that are sick all the time because like mm-hmm. kids are just little like germ magnets and 
kids oh, yeah. like puke all the time and so like kids like freak me out like that's the reason like because I used to say I wanted to be a teacher but like that's like the main reason like I don't think I could ever be a teacher is because like too freaked out by like germs and the kids yeah and um so I don't I think I, I want to get to a place where um I'd be okay like you know, where I, I can do that. Like that is a huge goal of mine. Um, so I want to be able to be comfortable, you know, being able to like, if I have children someday, like to be able to help, help my sick kids. Like that's the place I want to be at, to be able to comfort them and be around it and not spiral and panic. And, and, yeah. you know, so like, that's probably like the end goal for me. And I know like from a lot of what I've heard and, like research about emetophobia is like having kids is like the ultimate exposure therapy. Like oh, yeah. essentially like it just forces you to get over it on like not get over. I don't know if that's the right like way to put it, but like come to terms with it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So like, I think having kids would help, but it's definitely like a big fear of mine as well. So I will tell you out of personal experience, it has, it was one of the biggest reasons that I I've, mm-hmm. you know, gotten over in quotations, my emetophobia yeah. mm-hmm. and it's, it's, like the, I lived with two smaller kids. One was three, one was four. Mm-hmm. And the the girl would get sick. She'd get really anxious and start mm-hmm. crying and stuff would happen. And then as she was crying so much, she would end up getting sick. Mm-hmm. And it was just, part of it was just like, not right. Let's take your shirt off. Got to change it yeah. now and everything. It was just like mm-hmm. one of those things where um, the the love almost comes before your, your emetophobia yeah. in that point. Yeah, and you become sure. so to, at terms with it. And mm-hmm. that was huge for me because without that, I wouldn't have had that. It's like super exposure therapy and yeah. you like have to deal with it. It's not exactly. like something you can yeah. just look away from. It's like, no, you got to take care of this little kid. It's a little yeah. kid, you know? So yeah, it's a definitely. big part of it for sure. Yeah. But I think in like the meantime, just for like day to day, like I just want to work on um, obviously like better coping skills and just to you know have that acceptance and um to be able to just like live my life without this thing like interrupting all the time and and taking me out of the moment um yeah so that's just kind of what I've been working on now among other things but as far as metaphobia goes that's probably the goal there really uh kind of off the wall question why do you think more women have metaphobia than men Mm, I've thought I have thought about this before and it's something that um something my therapist and I have kind of talked about too. We think the two are linked. Like for me, I think it's a control thing. Like Mm. it it stems from like me needing to have control. Like I've always been like that my whole life. Like I want to be in control of everything and like getting sick, throwing up. That's something you have absolutely no control over. Like your body just does it and you cannot control it. Mm -hmm. And so I think that's where it like stems from. And I think like, I know it's not, true of like all women but like from a woman's standpoint just I don't know we're like the providers the nurture like you know just like as far as like evolutionary and like our natural like like that's just like who we are as our beings and like we we want to have that like control I think I don't know I think it's like I think it kind of goes hand in hand and also like I think as a society like you know women aren't meant to be gross women are meant to be pretty and nice and polite not rude and and gross and like we associate it with being gross it's kind of the same thing as like women don't like belch or fart in public like it's kind of it's like the same idea there like I think it's like I don't know I I think it's linked you know so I think there's like some connection there 
gotta be yeah yeah it's kind of like my own theory and just like from what I've read and like what I've talked about with my therapist and stuff too because like part of it for me too is like um I was a very very quiet little girl and like I was always told to like be polite behave be quiet you just you know just sit sit and be there and like I remember one time um I was, my mom was having this surgery. My mom got like very sick when I was young. I was about 11, like 10 or 11 years old. And she mm-hmm. was in the hospital for a long time. And like, we were up at Mayo Clinic in um, Minnesota, like the, so like the big clinic there. And she was having the surgery and I was in the waiting room with my grandparents and um, my little brother. And they had like this screen, kind of like what you see at an airport with like all the flights boarding and stuff. They had this big yep. screen with all the patients and it said like, what like when they were like in operating room and stuff like that and I saw my mom's name and it like switched over to say like oh the operation like started and I saw that and it just like triggered something in me and I lost like all control and I just started like crying and like screaming uncontrollably in the waiting room and I couldn't I couldn't control myself like it just like all emotions just like were released and Mm -hmm. my grandma I mean, I know she was like, well, meaning at the time, but she was like telling me like, stop, like be quiet, like stop You're, you know, like you're acting like a four-year-old, stop it. And I think, and this is something that my therapist and I've been working on like this moment in my lifetime. Um, I took that and I just thought it meant like, you, you can't express how you're feeling. You have to keep it in. You've got to just sit there and mm. be strong for your family, be strong for your little brother, you know, like, and just sit there and take it and hold it in. And so um, I think it kind of goes hand in hand with the emetophobia thing. That's kind of what we have been working on is that it's kind of linked almost where it's like, you got to keep it in it. You know, it's like the same idea. Like you can't release that. That's bad. And um, somehow my brain, like, connected the two subconsciously I think like it's like don't express your feelings and emotions and and I think somehow it it linked to the two I don't quite understand it but um, yeah I think they're they go hand in hand a little bit I think a lot of people will associate um, vulnerability with weakness and it's Mm -hmm. not a weakness at all it's very strong to be vulnerable because a lot of people don't want to be vulnerable because they have such an ego behind it they don't want to look like you know sissies or whatever and i think as kids we're always taught like don't cry stop Mm -hmm. crying don't be a little baby like just you know wipe your tears off and just get on with life and it's like sometimes you need to be in the moment and cry like it's Mm -hmm. okay to have emotions and that's um one of the biggest things i see a lot of parents like if you're in like just a grocery store. Sometimes I'll see a little kid, like, you know, crying and having a meltdown because mm-hmm. it's just something happened. And it's like, mom's over there about to spank them and tell them like, we're going to go to the car. We're leaving. Like, but it's like, you just, you, you have to give them some attention and say like, mm-hmm. what is wrong? Like they don't even yeah. get that question anymore. It's just stop mm-hmm. being a baby. And it, yeah. So the vulnerability thing is huge. And I think, mm-hmm. um, you know, in this world with a lot of my friends, they all see vulnerability as weakness as well. But in, the, in all reality, like, when a man is vulnerable with another man, it, like man to man like that, it's huge for people. Mm-hmm. It's, a, it's a connection you'll never feel with anybody else. So I think being vulnerable is definitely an awesome thing and more people need to start doing that for sure. Um, what have been some emetophobia wins for you lately? Like some stuff that's just awesome that you've mm-hmm. gotten through and. Man, I, so 20, 2020 was like, was very like sucky year for me, like in general, but like mental health wise, like the pandemic yeah. just did a number on me and then some other like personal things happened and 
I was in a very, very low place, like November, December, 2020. It was just, I, I hated myself. I hated um, how I felt. I was like, my stomach was constantly upset and I didn't, and I didn't know if it was anxiety or like something I was eating or both or what. And I had like super low energy. I was eating garbage all the time. Like I was ordering DoorDash so much and, and I was mm-hmm. just tired of it and um, I wanted to change. And so I did some research and cause I, I wondered if I had like some sort of allergy to like some of the food I was eating. So I was like doing some research and I actually, I, I gave it gluten yeah. and it, it literally changed my life. Like, I, I think I do have a gluten intolerance because like my digestive troubles went away. And so that like helped a lot with the emetophobia too. Um, and so I started eating healthier and cooking more. And um, I went, I actually went keto, which I know like keto is like super controversial, but like I realized it was like what was best for my body because um, I felt so good. Like I, I had so much energy. Yeah. I was doing like really, really well. Um, and still am like, I'm still, um, still trying to stick with it. Um, but I lost last year, I lost 45 pounds. Um, mm I, um, I started doing yoga too. And that, that changed my life because the meditation aspect of it has been so good for my anxiety and like Mm -hmm. the breathing exercises I've learned doing it. Um, it's also like my, if I, I try to do it every day and like it's also my time of day to just cut out time for myself and to just Mm -hmm. pause everything around me and to just focus on myself and my body and my mind and like kind of take control of my thoughts a little bit and um and it's been so good and like definitely like physical aspect too like it's how I get my exercise in and um yeah and that's it's been awesome and it's like improved my posture and like like everything and it's it's really been life-changing for me so last year was such a good year for me health-wise and I think that has helped a lot with my emetophobia too like I said like like my diet has helped so much because I don't have like stomach issues anymore and like stomach issues were so bad for me like anytime I burped or had heartburn or anything yeah stomach rumbled it was so it would just send me into panic and so like um that has helped a lot um and so another big goal of mine and like I said back when I was a kid in the hospital, like I linked the two, like metaphobia and being afraid of doctors. It was all like stemmed back from that moment. So yeah. I hadn't been to a doctor, like since my pediatrician, since like my last mandatory school physical, I had not mm-hmm. been to a doctor at all. And I knew, I knew it was something I just had to do as an adult. Um, and so I made it cause I was working so hard on my physical health. I, I made it a goal of mine to go to a doctor last year. And I did, go to a primary care doctor for the first time last year it was probably one probably one of like if not the hardest thing I've ever had to do it was um it was a lot my therapist and I worked on it for a few weeks leading up to the appointment um it was it was not easy but I did it and I I like can't even put into words how proud of myself I am for that yeah Um, no that's really great it was like it was huge it was definitely like a huge step in overcoming my fear and like I felt invincible after that I felt like I could I could do anything (laughs) after that and so I'm like if I can like overcome that and something that um Sheila Sheila was my therapist that got cancer she actually she passed away last year or I'm really sorry to hear that yeah it was um that sucked when I heard that but 
something that we she always told me she was like um if I ever had to do something that was hard or I didn't want to do she's like then you can like check it off your list and like Mm -hmm. and I just kind of I had this like mental list in the back like everything I'd accomplished and like it was almost like like my arsenal like in a way like like I could look back on that list and be like well I if I if I did that then I can do this and so like going to a doctor was one of those things I was like we're not gonna we're just gonna push that with us <laughs> you know, yeah, like, um, but like to be able to like check that off of that list for me was just it was huge it was it was um so like I'm, I'm kind of like it gave me a little bit of confidence like if you can do that if you can get back to a doctor then you can you can throw up and like, <laughs> and so I'm still yeah. like working on that but that was you'll get there for me. yeah you'll yeah. get there it just takes time you gotta mm-hmm. it because it, the mind is like a muscle you have to train it so yeah. you really it just you can't just be like i'm good and then move on mm-hmm. you know it's like you really have to put some time and effort into that and really like train that muscle mm-hmm. so i have a doctor's appointment on the 18th okay. and it's my first doctor's appointment in probably fuck i don't know 10 years i went along yeah. like like I don't know, eight years ago or something, mm-hmm. because I had some appendix problems, I thought, mm-hmm. but it was just like some constipation issues. And so that was really scary for me, but I mm-hmm. did it because it was out of sheer pain. Like I was in so mm-hmm. much pain that I was like, I need to go or I'm going to die probably. And now I'm getting those same pains again, but now mm-hmm. I also have chest pains involved in it as well. And so I'm just like, I just need to be told that I'm okay. Like that's mm-hmm. what I'm trying to figure out. My girlfriend yeah. and I have been talking about it a lot. Her aunt is also a, like um, a nurse or a, mm-hmm. a doc- nurse's practitioner. Mm-hmm. And so she was like, why don't you just come in and see me? And for everybody else, it's so like, well, just come in. They'll just come and hang out. I'm mm-hmm. like, dude, I am terrified. Yeah. So um, so for me and for the rest of the, the listeners, what's some advice from you to get you over that hurdle to go to the doctor? Oh, man. Um, I think the peace of mind is huge. Um, mm-hmm. Like to go, because like for a big one for me was, what if something's wrong? Like, what if yeah, like that was all, that was the huge another. one for me? And like, um, and so it helped because I was in the best shape of my life like last year from like my diet changing it and my um, doing yoga and everything. Like, I felt so good, and so I was like, I feel amazing. So this is probably the best time to go because I yeah. don't think anything's gonna be wrong. Like, um, I know like you have a lot of women listeners, like it regulated my hormone. Like for a while there, I thought I had PCOS, which is like ovarian cyst. Um, mm. But it, it literally regulated my periods, my diet change. And yeah. so like, I knew that, um, cause that was big fear of mine too. I was like, what if I have this and I'm going to have to be on like these medications and like all this stuff. And so I knew that, okay, well, what I'm eating is working for my body. So I'm probably fine. Mm -hmm. And so that, that helped a lot to go in with that mindset, knowing like I'm healthy, everything's going to be okay. Um, And it did all my work, like came back totally normal. All my levels were normal. Cause I was worried too about like keto. I was like, I know like some doctors don't recommend it for people, but like, obviously it is working for my body because like all my numbers were normal. And so so that was like huge for me. It was like reassurance that I'm doing everything right. Um, but I think um, a big, like if you're scared to like go to a doctor, to have that peace of mind, it, it's so worth it in the end. Um, and even if like they find out something's wrong, it's, it's better to know. Like yeah. instead of just having, 
to just wonder, you know, and then you, then you can have a plan going forward. So yeah. that's huge for me. And now I like, I've never been on anxiety medication, but it's something I've thought of before. And now that like I found a primary care doctor, if it's ever something I want to do now, I have that relationship with her. So all I have to do is like call yeah, and like, we can try something. So like, sure. that's kind of good to like, just keep in the back of my mind as well like I don't want it to ever come to having to take medication but if it did come to that at least I'm not going to a stranger it, you know at least it's someone that knows my medical history now and um yeah. so that's kind of a peace of mind as well that I just like have that in the back of my head that like um instead of just kind of like going through life blind <laughs> you know yeah. if that makes sense yeah. I don't know if that makes sense no it makes a lot of sense yeah I, I just mm -hmm. I've been so terrified for so long to go yeah. to the doctor and I finally like mm -hmm. I made an appointment I'm gonna mm -hmm. do it and that's where I'm at too is like I guess yeah. I gotta have that peace of mind like at least I'll yeah. know and Little, also oh, oh, continue, continue, sorry. oh and just um like I said to be able to say that you did it like yeah. I don't know for me like that is like the best feeling in the world to like when I walked out of that building I was like I did it. Like, mm -hmm. I just can't explain like the high I felt coming out. I was like, man, I could do anything. I'm ready to like jump out of a plane. Like, <laughs> like yeah. that's how I felt leaving. Cause this is how was... you get over the emetophobia too. Yeah. Things like that. Mm -hmm. of just those little wins and the, mm -hmm. your mind that associates that as like, I can do anything, man. Yeah. Like, why am I holding myself back for this stupid yeah. stuff when I don't mm -hmm. need to? Yeah. It's yeah. a huge thing. Mm -hmm. Um, little side story. I went through the keto, um, thing mm -hmm. as well myself mm -hmm. did it for about like maybe eight, nine months. Mm -hmm. I also lost a lot of weight. I felt amazing. Best mm -hmm. like time of my life. But I found out while I was doing that, that I have a problem with dairy and I was eating a uh, lot of dairy mm -hmm. while I was on keto, a lot of cheese, a lot of yeah. eggs, a lot of, or, a lot a lot of, of um, milk and stuff involved. Mm -hmm. And so I've recently went vegan, like hundred percent vegan. Yeah. I only, only do smoothies three times a day, eat mm -hmm. fruits and vegetables, nuts, legumes, like everything mm -hmm. that the earth gives you. That's yeah, my whole goal. Awesome. And I, I have not had any processed sugar, no bread, mm -hmm. no nothing. And this, I mean, if, if you think you feel good on keto, mm -hmm. like this time's like a hundred, like I yeah. feel absolutely phenomenal. Like yeah. sleeping is so much easier. I actually dream again. I don't need anything to mm -hmm. keep me happy mentally. Like my, my mentality stays very well, like in the same boat all the time. Mm -hmm. It's just, and I'm now to the point where like, I'm like craving oranges and cherries and things. Like mm -hmm. I'm not craving, like, I mean, I still crave chocolate. Like if I see chocolate mm -hmm. at a place I'm cleaning or something, it's like all I can think about the whole mm -hmm. time I'm there. I'm just like, God, I want to take one of those so bad. Like it's all I can think about, but it, <laughs> yeah. it's like a food addiction. It's like, it's yeah. like, you're literally addicted to that sugar. So now that I'm like coming off of that, yeah. it's only been, I think this is like my like full second month into this or oh, maybe wow. third month yeah. now. So I'm real early in, but yeah. I'm still having like withdrawals, you know, like from all the old yeah. shit I used to eat. So sure. but I'm just feeling better every day by doing that's this. That's awesome. Amazing. Like, so. man, I, I admire like people that are vegan, like so much. Like, <laughs> it's tough. Um, it's really tough. I'm, I can imagine, can imagine like I've given up gluten was super hard because it's yeah. like everything. Um, Big one for me too. Yeah. The gluten thing was, was also was a problem rough. for me. Um, yeah. But now like, I don't even want it because it just makes me so sick to my stomach. Um, mm -hmm. Like the holidays were really rough. That was my first like Christmas without gluten and all the cookies and everything. I was like, oh, oh my yeah. god! But, I won't lie, um, I had a couple <laughs> cookies during Christmas. Yeah. <laughs> well, like see, I did that, it and it it messed it messed up my Same. stomach so bad, and it I couldn't like, sleep. It's I couldn't not even, even sleep. Worth it. it was yeah. weird. Yeah, and like my my face, my skin, like everything, and I was like, it's just not worth it, and. So like sometimes when I see that stuff and I think, oh man, like it smells so good, but 
I don't know, sometimes seeing it, even just the thought, like looking at it makes me sick to my stomach. I'm like, I don't even want it because yeah. I know. It's a love it's, hate for sure. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's great. Um, but like knowing, like, I don't know, looking back at this, like last year and everything I accomplished, um, it's, it helps a lot. And I like, when I'm having bad moments, I can look back and be like, you did all that. So like, who's to say you can't overcome this fear. Like, yeah. in in hindsight it, it it seems it's huge for me but like it seems so small compared to like everything else that you accomplish so yeah like this is just normal stuff people do every day but for yeah. you it's very important stuff and it's the same for me where i, yeah. I, I i'll be like telling my friends like i, I set a doctor's appointment man mm-hmm. like they're like cool yeah. i'm like yeah but like, you don't get it like this is really important like yeah. this is crazy shit yeah 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 i did no, the same insane. thing i i texted them my my girlfriends and i was like guys i went to the doctor and they were they were so proud of me because they know they yeah. like they're the ones that know like my struggles so that was really cool to be able to say like i did it so it's really cool mm-hmm. um so we're about 40 we got about 15 minutes left on this yeah. one until we're at the hour um what is some like super solid advice you give anybody with a phobia right now mm, man um I would say that like focus on those like small victories because even this like those small victories are how you're going to build up to the bigger victories like if your small victory is like eating a meal that day then like celebrate it you know like um if your small victory is just like leaving the house going going to a store or you know like like celebrate it don't you know own that and like like keep it, keep that in like your arsenal, your personal arsenal. And you're like, yeah, if I, if I did that, then I can do this. And you, that's how you build up to the big things. Um, and also like find like a support system, even if it's like a close friend or a parent or a therapist or someone, if you have like at least one person in your life that you can open up to about it and who cannot, even if they don't fully understand it, they can be there for you and help you and and um and to just um yeah like just to like be there for you in your dark moments even if they don't fully understand what's happening in your head like at least you know that they're there and they're not gonna like judge you for it like it's so important to have um people in your life like that to help you And it's really hard to talk about emetophobia and I understand that but I think it's one of the most important things to do is like it's Mm -hmm. almost like when you hold it in and don't tell anybody, you're like feeding the demons more fodder so they can be yeah. more like, you know, uh, yeah. they can uh, do their work a little better. But mm-hmm. when you start talking about it, it takes all the power away from your mind. Cause in your mind's like, Oh, well shit. Now everybody knows about it. Now, like there's nothing, you know, no secrets. There's nothing to mm-hmm. hide anymore. Like we can't really like mess with your mind anymore. It's like, I already know you're there, man. Like I'm just yeah. trying to move past this now. Yeah. And so it, it's just, it's super important to talk about super important mm-hmm. to get it out. That's why I really made this podcast to begin with too, because when I first started this, I was really into the whole, like, I'm, I'm feeling sick still. I mm-hmm. don't really know what to do with myself. And as the time's been on, like I've been getting better and better just because I talk about it so much. I'm so open about it. So like into this community and, um, it's just, it's great. So yeah. I, what I have to say to the listeners too, is if anybody ever wants to message me or DM or anything mm-hmm. and just talk, like I'm down, I like to do the voice message thing a lot. So that's a big thing for me lately is just, I try to do a lot of voice messages. So it's a little more personal. So it's mm-hmm. like, we can actually have a real conversation over a, a message. So yeah, but, but that's yeah, good. absolutely. I mean, it's so great 
to like I'm I just found your podcast like earlier this week <laughs> yeah I've been like cool. binging I've been like binging it this week it's like man this is great I wish I had this you know a couple of years ago but um because yeah. I feel like when I was first doing research on metaphobia there was hardly anything on the internet yeah there's but, not like, much yeah. yeah and now there's there's a couple more things but it's really hard to find stuff like I, I yeah I, I've heard you, you talk about a couple episodes, but like those Facebook support groups, I hate those things. Like mm-hmm. they're, they're so crowded and it's just people like everyone's on there just panicking. And like, I feel like it doesn't accomplish anything. Like I tried, yeah. I tried joining a couple of them and I like dropped out. Cause I'm like, this is, this sucks. Yeah. I like, did the same thing. Yeah. It's, it's tough. <laughs> it's, um, but like, I like your Instagram, like it's really cool. And, um, there's a couple other Instagram pages I follow that are good. Um, so there, there is like people out there. You just kind of have to do some digging, but um, you can find. There is another podcast too. It. Oh, there is. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's a an older woman, but I I don't know what the podcast is exactly called. Mm-hmm. I've never listened to it personally. I feel kind of bad. I probably should, but mm-hmm. um, I do see her. Like when when you look up my podcast on Google, hers comes up right under mine. So oh, I, I know she's she's pretty okay. heavily into the space. Okay. And I, I found her on Reddit. Um, oh, okay. I want to say, I think it's just called the emetophobia something. I'm not hundred yeah. percent sure on that, okay. but um, she's like, she has guests all the way through her next year. So, I mean, she's got a lot nice. of people coming on to the podcast That's to awesome. talk. So it's probably a lot of valuable, yeah. valuable okay. information. I'll, I'll definitely link it up. down in the show okay. notes when we're Very done cool. with this one. So I'll, I'll keep cool. it up there, but okay. so where can people find you? Um, probably Instagram is the one I'm most active on. I'm just at Jenny DiLorenzo just my full name um there's not very many of me out there apparently so yeah, that's good, yeah. <laughs> um, i'm on twitter too it's the same handle at jenny lorenzo but um i'm not on there as much so i had a blog like I, my blog is still out there i haven't written on it in like almost a year but i was writing on there about emetophobia so my old like poster on there if you want to check them out it's like in my um I don't even know what the handle is, but it's in my, it's in my Instagram. It's the blog. If you want to um, uh, share any articles with the, with me too, I have a, a, a website called the metaphobias.com where I've been oh, posting nice. a lot of like user submitted blog posts just to kind of get the stories out there so people can have a platform to put it on if they don't sure. really know where to, to write about, but. Oh, that'd be great. Definitely yeah. also. I, I, I want to like get back onto writing about it. Cause the whole reason I started it was because I, I couldn't find anything about a metaphobia. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I got a couple entries up there, but I just haven't been creative lately. So I just haven't been oh, like writing, you, yeah. but yeah. Um, so that's awesome. Okay. I'll, t- I'll send one to you. Any parting words before we go? Um, just uh, if you're struggling, man, it, it'll get better. Um, I know everyone, you're probably sick of hearing that, but it does. <laughs> so, and then, and we're out here, we're out here on the internet. So if you need we help, like you can find oh. us. <laughs> that's what's up yeah mm-hmm. all right it was really nice meeting you thank you so much yeah, for coming it's great on the to podcast meet you too. thanks so much for like what you do this is this is a really good community you're building thank you i really appreciate that we'll mm-hmm. see you again all right all right awesome thank you have a good one you too bye bye Super great episode today. I really appreciate you guys listening and uh, tuning in. Um, you can find Ginny over on her Instagram at G-I-N-N-Y-D-E-L-O-R-E-N-Z-O. Ginny DeLorenzo. Really, really awesome conversation. Like I said, if you enjoyed this podcast, um, please go down and rate and review. This would really help us out and to get us up in the rankings and make sure more people with emetophobia listen to this podcast. Also, you can find me over at emetophobias.com or on my Instagram. There is a link tree in my bio at the emetophobia podcast. Um, it has all my links, everything you could possibly want to see. And um, yeah, thank you guys so much for listening and we'll see you on the next episode. Peace.